Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast with Aaron McManus and Earl McManus. Hi, Dad. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I want to get some of the things out of the way real quick. Thank you, everyone who's been watching, who's been commenting, who's been emailing, who's been reviewing. Uh, we're so grateful. We are so, so grateful. And this is a reminder, if you watch on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, let us know that you're watching at, um, on Instagram at Battle Ready Podcast. Hit follow, comment. We post clips. A lot of them are just kind of funny moments that I like to post. I like to laugh. Um, but rate and review this on iTunes if you have the chance. We're so grateful. So, so grateful when you do that. Um, we've actually gotten 100 reviews and since we started That's amazing. doing this every week, which is really cool. So I think we're up to like almost 400 now. Um, and we, I read those. And we also have an email, Aaron at BattleReadyPodcast.com. Send us topic suggestions. Um, you can give us feedback. Let us know how you're doing. But it's just another way for us to stay connected. And we have some Battle Ready merch this week. This hat is, Ooh. you going to put this on? We have this hat. And we're going to throw some. Battle Ready hat. Come on. Battle Ready hat. You can wear it while we face every battle every day. Because everyone faces daily battles. We have battles every day. It's so good. I'm so excited. Today we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about permission to disagree. Oof. We're in a culture where people seem to polarize each other, demonize each other, vilify each other just because they have a different view, a different position. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to jump into some politics. We're going to jump into some uh, um, cultural issues, COVID issues. We're going to talk about those things that seem to divide us and how to. Uh, disagree with people while still being agreeable with people. <laughs> Sounds good. Can't wait to jump into it. All right, here we go. Today was an interesting day because well, you gave us a great topic to talk about, but we just did the Minimalist podcast. It was so great to be there with Joshua. He's such a great guy. It was so great. And I didn't even catch his name because I was so nervous the whole time. <laughs> so, But it was it was a unique experience. They, they film and record right across the street from where we record. And and you've done the podcast before and you're in their Netflix special. Their um, next uh, documentary, I'm a part of it. Yeah, it, yeah I think excited. it's releasing this Christmas. Either Christmas or January, yeah. Kind of cool. So we did that and it was it was a longer process than I thought. I was really nervous. But it was so cool to have the minimalists send out an email to us saying, we love the Battle Ready podcast. Could we have you and Aaron on to advertise your podcast? It, it, was, really, it was really, really cool. So, you know, I've always been like a last minute study studier 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 yeah uh, i don't know that's last what happens minute, last, minute, last minute yeah yeah <laughs> so <laughs> i'm in the shower and i'm like phone is up on the shower thing and i'm blasting the minimalist because i've never heard it and i hadn't seen the special and but obviously like i've heard of them and sure and you have such a great relationship with them it was really cool to actually get to be on a podcast and i felt you know i felt wildly intimidated <laughs> I don't know if I, he would look at me like it's your turn to talk and i'd go yep and i'd toss it back over to you <laughs> Well, they're great guys, and I have seen the documentary, and it's really good. But one thing that we did bring up, so if you, want, if you haven't checked out The Minimalist, they're awesome. Listen to their out. podcast, hit subscribe. Or go to Netflix go and to watch Netflix, the documentary. Watch the documentary. It's the first part, and the second yeah. part's coming out in December, which is yep. kind of cool. Um, basically, they, they talk about having a minimalist lifestyle, mm -hmm. whatever faith background, whatever belief background, just kind of this idea that, that, that we don't need more stuff. Yeah. But there's obviously things that we need in life. Yeah, I love their little phrase, love people, use things. Love people, use things? Rather than use people, love things. Oh, I didn't catch that. I was blacked <laughs> out the whole time. I was just, you know, the, it, you walk into a room and you're just so not ready for it. I, I wasn't ready. But 
battle ready. I wasn't. I wasn't ready. You were not battle ready. No, but I. I you never, were in a middle minimal condition. You know, <laughs> we talk a lot about controlling environments, and I always. I tell. I was t- telling you yesterday. I was like, I get really nervous when I'm in a new environment because. Well, I think growing up with like a lack of social skills, I was kind of nerdy. I wasn't like the cool kid. When you walk into a room, there were so many variables. Like, who am I going to talk to? What am I going to talk about? Like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm naturally interesting, but I, I, I feel always more comfortable with the nerds because I am a nerd inside. <laughs> and now I'm in, it's funny now because nerds are the best people to talk about sports, talk about anything about because they know the facts, <laughs> the details, all this stuff. Anyways, you brought this up and we talked about this with the minimalists. We need to all have the permission to disagree. Yeah, I, I, if I, we have a theme for today, it's permission to disagree. I think we're in the middle of a, of a, a time where you're not allowed to have an opposing position. It's a really, it's a really dangerous time because it's, it's actually not expanding our ability to think. It's actually minimalizing it, and, and you see this on the political level. You know, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, it's, um, it's amazing to me how. Right now, if you're a Democrat, it's almost it feels almost unethical and immoral if you're a Republican, hmm. and if you're a Republican, it feels unethical and immoral to be a Democrat. Hmm. And it, it it's odd to me that people can be neighbors; they can be actually very similar, and yet the political divide turns them into enemies. And and one of the reasons I, I this was highlighted to me. And I guess I, this is full disclosure, and who knows? Maybe I'm going to create some some controversy, or or someone's going to. You definitely did on that podcast, which was <laughs> the potential yeah. being canceled. But yeah. um, yes. one of my friends and his wife went to the RNC at the White House. Yes. So if you're a Democrat or a liberal, and you're and you're listening to this, don't turn it off. Hang, hang with me, and hang, hang in there. Uh, I was surprised they were there, and but when I saw him post a photograph, but because they're my friends. Uh, I liked the photograph, and I was listening to what he said, and um, and it didn't even occur to me that one. I forget that everyone sees your likes, and that now it's you're you're cancelable if you like the wrong person's statement or something like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I started getting all these DMs of people going, "Can you please explain to me how you could like that photograph? Can you please explain to me how you could like someone going to the Trump rally? Can you please explain to me?" How you could, you know, like a photograph of people the you RNC. don't know and people you do know. I don't know Both? these people. Most, no, most no. no people I don't know. But I want to come. And, I want to talk about that too. About like how much access do you let people? How much access do you let strangers? How much access do you give to strangers? Mm-hmm. And proximity do you give to people that necessarily aren't in your world? Yeah, I used to give almost complete access life. to every stranger in the world until I found it was really bad for my mental health. Okay. And, but but frankly, I didn't even think that much about the like because mm. it's my Instagram those are my friends and um, uh, and I thought wow what, what interesting thing that they're at that event and but then it immediately puts me in the minds of people on on the right and suddenly everything I've ever said and everything I've ever done is now seen through the filter of that one like mm. and which is at the same time and I wasn't public about this but I've been sending texts to someone in the Biden campaign and um, having conversations with them about, hey, here's some things in your messaging that, you know, that if you could actually adjust and, and think through would make the message more accessible to a broader audience and hear things that are going to hurt your campaign, hear things that, 
that I think are actually going to be detrimental. And so I, I'm, I'm clearly not a person who's trying to reelect President Trump, and, uh, but I'm not a person who's trying to elect Joe Biden. I'm a person who's trying to speak to both sides to make them both more humane, uh, more reasonable, more thoughtful, and more inclusive. And I think that's a part of my role in life. But if you aren't willing to make an enemy of one side, you're not then seen as loyal to your side. We, and that's this, this conversation that we actually... I'm going to bring some of this minimalist conversation and we're sure. not going to repeat all of it, but I thought there were some cool themes that we talked about. We talked for two hours. Absolutely. So right. who knows what will make it in there. We talked about tribes versus communities right? and you know who we align with versus you know based on beliefs or value systems. And not everyone believes the same things, but we kind of will have these value systems that will be similar. And, and you know, when you're in a tribe, it seems like you are only allowed to believe the things that the tribe believes. Do you, yeah, do you agree with that? Uh, no, no, that is where society has gone. Right. And so versus the problem, like, can we give a, like a versus communities where, where people are different than you, but you're, you're, you're coming together by common values. You want to make the world better. You believe in compassion. You believe in, in a humane society. Right. And so even though you may come at it in, in different ways. So, so from a faith background, do churches oftentimes are tribes when they should be communities? Absolutely. So right. a lot, and, and it's the, one of the first questions I asked uh, the, the representatives from the Biden campaign is, who do you have in the room? It seems like your room is filled with people who all see the world exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. You have no dissenting voices. You have, uh, you have no uh, uh, different, uh, pers- uh, different perspectives, and you need to get a broader room so you can understand the people who are going to vote um, differently than what you hope. And to me, I feel the same way with the Republicans. If they asked me, I would say, who do you have in the room? Is, is everyone in the room, they've already passed a litmus test of a common belief system. You, you can't think at a higher level if everyone in the room agrees with you. And I'm trying to teach people to have permission to disagree and to have people who disagree in the same room. And that's what people don't understand about Mosaic. I never started Mosaic so that we would have a monolithic a community where everyone was the same, where everyone believed the same, where everyone uh, lived the same. Uh, I wanted to create a place where everyone um, w- was given an opportunity to actualize the best version of themselves. And which is why I think a lot of people hold mosaic so dear to their heart. Yes. And we were talking about this, or maybe I was talking about this. Like I have a friend who introduced me to one of his friends, and I think she was wearing a cross as a necklace, and he was like, "Wait, you believe in God?" Like, yeah, like I would love to meet more people in LA that, that believe in God. And he's like, you have to go to Mosaic. Given this is her, she's telling me this, I haven't talked to him about it. Um, but she, she was like, yeah, I was, I was telling him, like, I already have a church. I go to a great church. And he's like, no, no, it's not Mosaic. <laughs> but this guy doesn't even believe in God. He doesn't, I, I don't think, I don't think he mosaic. does. No, but he's been to Mosaic and, and like it, him and his girlfriend at the time had come and, and they were, they believe different than us but they're so supportive of what we build and they know that it's like a really good thing and they're trying to make a better world and they're trying to make and, and that was like the common denominator they're like this is a good thing and mm-hmm. we need and even if i don't believe it we we're going to support it because they've we supported them and their brand and their whole like world and so i think they saw that kind of that mutual love and and but that's the difference i think of a community i'm like man you you rep mosaic harder than i do sometimes yeah but I, but I think this, cool. this dilemma is true, not just in politics, it's even true with things like COVID. 
Right. I, I mean, I have really intelligent, educated friends who are extreme liberals. And I have really educated, intelligent friends who are extreme we, conservatives. We have people in our family who are super liberal, people in our family who are super conservative. In the same household. In the same household. <laughs> yes. You, the dinner table is volatile. <laughs> it's a dangerous place. Right. But what's amazing to me is that they, they're both prone toward conspiracy theories on their end of the table. And I, I, I listen and I try to be open-minded and I try to, you know, uh, be thoughtful. But there have been a few times where um, one of them who's extremely to the right said something really I felt was inappropriate. And I just said, hey, you, you can't do that. That's just wrong. And, and what they do, you can't be that vague. Come on. Oh, this well, is, this is un, we had to unpack these things. They, they said something negative about the Obamas. That was more personal than it was political. Don't mess with with Michelle Obama. And and to me, it's like, hey, I have so much respect for that family. You can attack policy, and I'm I'm good with you. But the moment you start attacking a person, and um and and I don't like the way people go. Why well, I, I don't know this? I just read this. Well, you know, this oh, is just how I'm going. Well, well, if you don't know it, <laughs> and it's a negative, if it's yeah. if it's slander, if it's malicious. Don't spread it. I, yes, but we live in a culture now where well, I read it somewhere. It's like you, a congratulatory moment where like, oh, congrats, you read something. It doesn't mean it's factual. <laughs> right. People are like science and the numbers. It's like, okay, a scientist or a doctor somewhere put that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does is, what is, what is someone with an opposing belief, belief all say? Like we, me and you, like what I love about like our house, mm-hmm. even like when we watch the news as a family, we don't often do that, but like, you know, we'll throw it on the background, we're cooking or grilling or doing whatever. Um, you, we're always going back and forth between right. multiple different news channels. We're never just like, I think you're on the right, you're like, Fox News is my guy. You're on yeah. the CNN, you're, if you're on the left, you're going, CNN is-, is Or, or is, MSNBC. MSNBC. And I'm going like, what? Ha- there's no real, true, middle, like, like. Do you remember that that, that showed the newsroom? Yeah, which I loved. Like, what, oh who's my. the main? Who's the main actor in the newsroom? Uh, Daniels. Jeffrey Daniels. Jeff. Is Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Where, where his his opening, like his whole the whole concept of the show is on it was on HBO. Is like talking about doing the news, like truthfully. Mm-hmm. With no agenda, giving the hard facts, and it, sometimes it's going to be boring, and sometimes it's going to be really hard. But he talks; he has that opening monologue, and we've talked about it before, where yeah. he talks about like when he's asked, "Is America the greatest country in the world?" And he goes, "No, but it, you know, it used to be, mm-hmm. but it could be again." And it was like kind of this 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 thing of like we've lost this ability to disagree with each other. Right. And and so what we do though is we demonize, and I would say is that. If you're listening right now, you're going, well, that's not me. If you're prone toward demonizing a person from the other side, it is you. And explain that. Like, what would be an example of demonization? Uh, okay, Fauci. Dr. Fauci. All right. I'm just Dr. Gonna, Fauci. I'm going to be straight up. All right. There are people who want to canonize Dr. Fauci and say he should be more powerful than the president. And there are people who have conspiracy theories that he's a Satan worshiper and uh and the all these QAnon thing that's oh, insane. Don't and, Google it. And so I'm it's sitting crazy. going, okay, wait a minute. He, here's a, one person, and instead of saying, "Well, I agree with what he said," or "I disagree with what he said," or, "Or, well, maybe there's been inconsistencies here or there," 
why do we have to suddenly create this whole Da Vinci Code conspiracy theory and uh, on both ends? And, Great movie, by the way. Wish it was true. <laughs> I love conspiracy. I love conspiracies. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you, but I, you're like a moth to flame. <laughs> you love conspiracy. But if conspiracy theory was like Coachella, I would go. <laughs> or Comic Con. Or Comic Con. I would dress right. up. So I use that as an example, right? And and so then you have, um, let's say, people who wholeheartedly buy into the uh, COVID is the worst plague that's ever happened in our society. We all need to be socially distanced, quarantined, maybe sheltering at home and, and far, far uh, protective kind of mindset. That person sees anyone who less than that is irresponsible, uh, criminal. And if, so if you don't see someone with a mask, well, you go, oh, that person is a Republican. That person is a conservative. That person is uh, anti-human uh, rights. That person is... Uh, not a feminist. And it's now the mask has taken on a whole ideology. When you see someone walking down the street without a mask, you know who he's voting for. And when you see someone with a mask, you assume you know who they're voting for. Let's ground this a bit into maybe the last week of what, um, which I, I love this train of thought. The only reason I'm saying this is, is like, there's there's a, been a lot that's happened in the last week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jacob Blake was shot seven times by a police officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. And that in and of itself, we you know, I read it on the news, and then we're big NBA fans. And if you listen to this podcast, you're not a sports fan. I'm sorry. Like we, we, we talk a lot about it, but we we kind of always come back to like sure. To life. To life. And yeah. and we've 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 been challenged with, you know, what kind of podcast is this? Is it a leadership? It says it's a leadership podcast. But then someone reviewed the podcast on iTunes and said, if you're looking for three steps, you'll never find them. <laughs> no, no, we're just crawling our way forward. <laughs> and then and then someone said that, it, like, it seems like it's a podcast on, like, parenting. And no, I was like, yeah, every, and then you said it's, like, how everyone wants to parent Aaron. Uh, but but back to it, like, obviously, you know, it's heartbreaking. It's devastating. It's it's a violation. It's 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 it it should never happen. Someone getting shot seven times by a police officer, and then even in that moment, it's so crazy how like the left and the right, in the middle, everyone, all of humanity is looking at this moment, and and everyone is judging it so differently. And, and that's then, a perfect example. But but I want to like in two parts. The NBA is happening. So so NBA players. Um, protest, right? Boycott, yeah. boycott, which I thought was a beautiful act, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of worked not in their favor because the RNC is happening, and, and a lot of these guys spoken outwardly like against Trump. But you canceled the one thing that was competing with the RNC, which was basketball, and they played and during the week of the DNC, and they played during the week of the DNC. So they reduced the numbers of viewership for the DNC, and then increased the numbers for the RNC. And it was that night where they boycotted was the most watched RNC night ever. Well, there's nothing else to watch there was that night. Literally nothing else to watch. Even we had it on in the background, and right. we watch everything, so that's not really. I watched both conventions, but, yeah. But I saw a tweet or an Instagram. I don't use Twitter because Twitter's the worst. I used Instagram, and I saw I saw this quote that said it was a basketball player, and it said, um, "If you don't see this as X Y Z, the situation, then then you're a horrible human being and all that stuff." And I was like, "And that is this. That's the part of the statement." Yeah. Like. It's not just you you it's not just hey you need to see this. It's going if you don't see it like this, these are all the things you are. And that second part is the part of culture that we have to 
destroy right now. Right, because you could see that's a perfect example where um, I I tried to avoid those kind of videos. I did know what I was watching, and I saw I I, I saw him get shot seven times. You see, I I stopped and, it once I and I, it, I didn't even understand what I was watching at first. Right, and um, it really had an effect on me. Um, and then immediately afterwards, people started listing all of his crimes, everything he's ever been accused he, of, arrested for. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but I, he had a knife. They had a gun in the car. There was all of this stuff wrapped that, around. You know, him. domestic violence, um, a rape charge. Like, uh, who? I don't. I don't actually even know what's true. It just started things. flying out immediately. Right. And 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 this is a perfect example of: Are you trying to defend your? position on the world or are you trying to look at the world to understand it better because yes he he probably did have this whole list of criminal activity I, I don't know I'm not even denying that um, but does that justify him being shot seven times like is that is that really what you're saying is that if a person has a criminal background then the police can be the judge and and the executioner are we are we saying that um, we only protect people who have a clinging background and don't have a criminal record. Or are we saying, or do we need to be saying no? Even if, like, a lot of the people who have been highlighted have not had great histories. They're not people who should be canonized or turned into martyrs. And the reality, though, is that our society is measured best by the people who deserve justice least. Hmm. And, and you've been really wrestling with this idea. Yeah. We've talked about it multiple times of like, he's a, what, whatever ends up being true about the situation, it's a messy situation and he's a messy person. And I think, I think that is something that we can, t no matter who's listening right now or watching, right. we all have things that, that we struggle with, that w there's some kind of mess or brokenness inside of us. And right. I think, would we whether it's scalable, whether you, mm -hmm. you're like, well, I'm not that guy. Well, like, yeah, but I'm sure someone could be more perfect than you are. Mm -hmm. But do you deserve justice? Do you yeah. deserve to be treated in a humane way? Yeah, and so it's, it's fascinating to me. Like, the moment we so adamantly just stood up and said, hey, this is a moment where, where if you're paying attention, if you're not tone deaf, this is a moment where we all as a society need to be pushing for social justice, mm. for racial equality, for police reform. These are things that are true regardless of your position and at the same time um the moment you say something like there are good cops they go well, then you're you're not on our side the moment you say no there are really good men and women who are police officers who went into law enforcement to make the world better and and this is a part this is why i i just detest uh extreme generalizations what's ironic is that I or I know so many police officers who are black and they're good people who became police officers to make sure there was justice, to make sure that that um, the black community had representation, that, that, that they would be treated with fairness and value. And so then you make the sweeping statement that all cops are bad. Every cop who chose that career to make it better is is now demonized with everyone else, and and that's why I, we have to have permission to disagree. And I would say it's not only just permission to disagree with each other, 
I want permission to disagree with myself. See, I, I want permission to think one thing, learn, grow, and change my mind. Mm. I want permission to, um, to be able to, to say it, to have said something five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago and go, yeah, that is how I saw the world then. And I've grown and I've evolved and I've changed because either I, either I've changed or the world has changed and I see it differently now. Do you have a, pre- do you have an example of that? Not to put you too much in the spotlight, but there's only two of us and I vote you go first. <laughs> well, I can think of several things because I grew up as a person outside of faith and then I became a person of faith. Yeah. And so when growing up, when kids were asked in elementary school, what you realize there are certain cultural values that are imposed on you without even realizing it. Hmm. Um, every, like every year, the teacher would say, uh, we want to know your name and what your father does for a living. Mm. They never asked you what your mother did for a living. And they always assumed that your mom was a housewife. You remember, this is the, the 60s for me. And, and as we go around the room, everybody would say their name. And I would say, my name is Arun McManus. And I said, and my mom is, um, is in the banking industry. Or my mom is this. And, and I was the only person in the class that would ever say what my mom did. Mm. And not what my dad did. Mm. And... Um, because I never knew my dad. And then my stepdad, I wasn't sure what he did. He was involved in creative underground economies, so I couldn't really put my finger on it. And, um, and I was proud of my mom. And, and so I always grew up with what would be considered like kind of, I guess, a, a feminist ideology. I, it never occurred to me that there was something women couldn't do or shouldn't do. My mom was an entrepreneur. My mom was a businesswoman. My mom was educated. My mom uh, was um, the person who was our hero. And so then when I became a Christian, I was taught by the culture that no women can't be pastors and women really should be at home or women uh, should, aren't really you know, crafted to be leaders. Or, and, and, and when I became a believer in Jesus, I was like, I felt like I was being force fed all these other belief systems. And I could feel myself struggling with that. And so for a, for a, a, a New York minute, I'm going, oh, okay, maybe there's like, uh, a, maybe it's not supposed to be like that. And then I, w- and then I went back, no, that's wrong. And, um, and, and so I had to actually agree to disagree with my new faith, and uh, ironically, hmm. it, you know, and, and there were so many things like that um, where I was taught in my faith, no, all these things are wrong. And at first I, I was almost like, um, naively just going, okay, all these things must be wrong. But as I would read the Bible for myself, and as I you know, grew in, in, in maturity, I realized, no, I don't agree with myself. In fact, I remember one time my brother said to me, this was, wow, maybe 15 years ago, on the phone, he goes, wow, you've really changed. And he meant that not in a compliment. And I took it as an insult, you know, and then I paused and I said, you're right, I have really changed. Mm. And I, I have really changed. I mean, there was a time in my life I was more of an anarchist. A time in my life I was more of a socialist. There's a time in my life I would have been a liberal Democrat. There's a time in my life I became a Reagan uh, Democrat. There was a time in my life I became more of a Reagan was a Republican. Uh, yeah, yeah, but there were Reagan Democrats that shifted over to. So I couldn't say. You yeah. couldn't say that you were a Republican at any yeah. given point. And there was a time in my life I became a Republican. Oh, interesting. And uh, and there was a time in my life I became a Libertarian. Okay. And, uh, 
and you and Mariah always said I was a libertarian for me and a socialist for others. That, and uh, I didn't want anyone to help me, but I wanted to help the world. And I've, I've gone through a, a political journey throughout my life. Don't leave it at socialism. Just that there's no, I want to, can you close that loop? Because I have like a personal disdain for socialism. Because I was raised that you work hard. You work and you work hard. You don't depend on anyone else. And even moments where we had nothing, where we, where we came from nothing and we built, you built something and I, was a, I reaped the benefit of that. But there were moments where we lost everything together in companies and, and, and we had to rebuild on our own. And, and the, I never went on unemployment. And I'm, not, and I'm not knocking anyone who has to go on unemployment or go on those moments, but, but I, you always taught me that, like, that, that working is important. If you can, if you are able to hold a job, hold a job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that doesn't mean that people who are socialists don't have a work ethic. It's just there's a different mindset. It's a belief. It's a mindset and a belief system. I think what the but challenges, it, but it is value. It is centered around building a dependency on the government. Yeah, I think one of the challenges is that um, one. I don't think very many immigrants who come to the United States um, are socialists. And because when you come from a socialist country, you come from a country where socialism has had a significant impact, you're definitely not a fan. And um, and so I, since we're talking about this, I'm just going to kind of throw this out. Sorry, I, I sent this down. We don't even have to keep this. I just sent this no, down. No, I, I think this is important because um, a part of, of the inherent conversation of socialism is is class warfare. And it's it's the um, the rich against the working class. And a part of the dynamic of the American culture has been, I'm working class, but I have no limit to the wealth I can uh, gain by my hard work, my, my intelligence, my talent. And, uh, and, and so I, I love the meritocracy of the United States. I really, really do. One of the challenges is that socialism sees institutions and corporations as evil. And so it, it moves toward government controlling the economics of a society. If socialists could only see that governments are a corporation. Hmm. Oh, we had a really interesting and, subject. What? The greatest monopoly of all time yeah. is the U.S. government. Yeah, if, if, if you could see that the government is actually a monopoly in waiting, it, it wants to be a monopoly, it wants to control every aspect of every industry. And I would never want to put the future of any society, any nation, in the hands of one single monopoly. And so while I know big business, big, big business is inherently corrupt, that, that, um, it's, that there's an inequity that is a reality, the world doesn't get better when government has more control. But that, again, this podcast is about our opinions. And I'm giving right, you my right. opinion. We also, but this is this is the whole point of this podcast is mm -hmm. we're we're reserving the right to also change our opinion. Yeah. And and you and if like as as a as a as a listener, we, we consider you as much a part of this as we are. And mm -hmm. and so you obviously have a, a choice to listen to us or to watch us or to engage in this. And yeah. I always find it funny when people like I called you this week and I was like, man, we got a bad review, three stars, because Aaron interrupts Irwin. And I was I was bothered by that. Uh, well, I was more bothered because you would never speak when we started Battle Ready, 
you only would ask me questions <laughs> and I'd have to force you to talk. And every time we were done, I would say, if we're going to do this, you're going to have to speak up. Right, right, so, right. So what people don't realize is- That was the whole point of this whole thing was to get me to talk a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this show is better when you talk more. And the future of the show depends on, on you pushing back and interrupting and speaking your mind. I, with that, with that, I, I say this: it is 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 that everyone has a choice to engage, right? And so the same way that we have, we reserve our right to change our opinion and to go, okay, look, like we're going to say some things, we're going to have some conversations, we might offend some people, but I hope you don't leave because mm -hmm. the conversation is not over, right? Because it, me and you, like, neither one of us, I, I don't think so. Like the only thing that we believe the whole world should do is believe in Jesus. <laughs> but even the way that we achieve that. We, we're not oppressive people. We're not people who are trying to convert the world. We're trying to do, you know, like, you know, I bring that to our faith because our faith is so important to us. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I mean that with this, like, we aren't people. We we are people who are part of a community. We we don't, we don't believe in this idea that you have to believe in what I believe in, and if you don't, you cannot be a part of the tribe. Yeah. Like we, I, I I'm a lot of things, but you've taught. I think the anarchy kind of has brought. Has, has crossed over, or maybe translated, or maybe I caught it, it's contagious, but I, I've always kind of been anti the establishment, anti the man, even though I've always gotten a lot of validation for working for a corporate company or right. from a logo or, you know, for for something that, that validates me and makes me feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we see that in, in, in so many walks of life, but I say that to go like, we're not those people who go if you're not you're not you can't sit with us if you're not if you don't believe in the same thing we're right. like hey look like you can you can you can belong before you ever believe right be a part of this thing yeah and i think for us to have these conversations i always tried to make sure that i never use language as an indictment on people i tried to use language that they would use for themselves and um, give me an example i would never call joe biden a socialist like a lot of people on the right do because joe biden doesn't call himself a socialist but i would call um, would you call him a secret socialist? <laughs> no, I would call um, Bernie Sanders a socialist because right, he identifies right, right, himself right. as. I would right. call AOC a socialist because she identifies herself as a socialist. Right. So I think it's really important. Just like when you call someone a white supremacist, but they openly say, I'm not a white supremacist. I think white supremacy is evil. I think the KKK is well, evil. That, that was something. And, that's that's another thing. Keep going, keep going but I'll, I'll come back to it. But if someone is a white supremacist, I feel very comfortable calling them a white supremacist because that's right. how they even self-identify. Yes. And there are people who are very comfortable calling themselves white supremacists and I think you should call them that. They should never feel comfortable in our presence. In our, in our society, yeah. And, um, and I, but I'm just dealing from a, an ideological perspective. Um, I, I do not think, and, and I know people say, no, it's not socialism, it's democratic socialism. But the only difference is in democratic socialism, you're, you're voting to become socialist. And as opposed to having it opposed on you. No, no, but right now it is being opposed on us. I have to wear a mask. Well, what's interesting to me is that I your generation is very inclined towards socialism. I, and, and it seems like you, millennials you, are really attracted to socialism. Yes. How many people have posted on Instagram, Twitter, the new, like, like how many stories, young people going, I love this. Like, I don't have to work. I get a check and I can hang out with my girlfriend or my wife or my kids. Mm -hmm. I'm like, do you not have a purpose in life? anything inside of you going, I want to achieve something. Yeah, so I'm gonna be really- Build something. Yeah, I'm really honest when I hear, you know, Bernie or talking about like 75% or 90%, you know, tax, I'm like, 
not in my life. I, I work way too hard to want the government to take that much of my money. But also, like, um, I kind of like Bernie. Like, I like Bernie yeah, as a, as a no, but figure. I think, but I like Bernie because I think he's honest about what he believes. And, and, and <laughs> see, see, I love. I, I would give anything to get to interview him. I would, I would love to have a conversation with him because um, I think he's intelligent and I think he's, he's, he's truthful about what he wants to do. Bernie has no chill is absolutely a savage. Like I remember when he got that surgery in his hospital bed, he tweets out, in my hospital bed, wish I had universal health care. Oh, man, that, that's savage. And I was like, dang. <laughs> but like when AOC says, we, I don't want their money, I want their power. Like, I think that's an important conversation going, first of all. Um, and, and then she immediately realized what she said. And then said, we want, you know, yeah. their power. But, um, but the reality is that in a meritocracy, without the money, there is no power. So, like you know, Apple doesn't have power except by creating. Hmm. Google doesn't have power except by creating. Hmm. And part of the, and I guess this is a part of my own bias. I believe that every human being is intrinsically creative. And uh, there's this passage in the Bible that says, um, "Let those who steal stop stealing, and work with their hands." Uh, and do something meaningful that they may have enough to give to others. And I said, the reason we steal is because we don't believe we can create. And see, I, I believe every human being is intrinsically creative. And, 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 and with myself, I believe I can create the future I long to live. And so I don't need governments. I don't need institutions. I don't need, um, as an immigrant, I, I felt like all I needed was the opportunity to be in this country and I could create a future. Mm. And, and what I, I think it is important is for us to, can we just wait, say that, say that again, sorry, I'm interrupting you again, but there's so you, you, this is the issue with me and you is that this is like how we genuinely have conversations. This is how we talk at home and we're you, just letting everybody you enter talk, our house right now. But like I, one of your good friends, is it your, yeah, it was, yeah, it was Brant Kreider who I worked for for a mm -hmm. while in New York. He's one of your good friends. He would do this thing with you. I've never seen anybody ever do it before. Where he, you guys would sit down. I mean, goodness, you guys would sit down and have conversations about Genesis. That would <laughs> Genesis in the Bible would blow my mind. And he would do this thing. He'd just be like, "Time out, time out." Given like he is like just an incredible soul and yeah. beautiful human being, and incredibly successful and influential, mm -hmm. and also just like so wise and thought provoking and just mm. loves to ask questions. So we're sitting at the dinner table and, and, and this is hours after dinner and, and you guys are having this conversation. You guys have gone on a diatribe of like, so you're so down the <laughs> rabbit hole talking about fringe and, and all this stuff. And he's just like, time out, time out, time out. So every time I interrupt you, I genuinely like, if you're listening, it's like, this is me going time out, time out. You've spurned a thought, mm -hmm. spurred a thought. And now I'm, I, I, I'll forget it. And now I've forgotten the thought that I've thought of. What are you talking about? Oh, no, I was talking about immigration. Right. Whether you immigrated legally or illegally, the thing that I've found, because I know both, right? Your mom yeah. immigrated legally. Mm -hmm. We have good friends whose parents immigrated illegally. Mm -hmm. um, and ironically, um, so many immigrants that we know are Republicans, which is ironic because they, you, you have like Republicans yeah. running on building this wall and they're like, oh, we already got around, <laughs> whether we got around the wall, X, Y, Z. They're so for like they're against immigration, but it's how they got here, mm -hmm. and and by they I mean my ancestors. <laughs> so it is like an. Do you find that odd? 
yes and no because um like almost every first generation immigrant i know actually would probably be more conservative crazy conservative and um and a lot of that is because what they left behind they don't want to see replicated here mm. and it's just like when people would come to mosaic from other churches right and they had they hated the church they're at and they would come here and try to turn mosaic into the church they left <sighs> Yeah, wait, and, and I would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You left that church, and now you're angry because we're not things that that church was. But if we became that, you would leave us too. What is that? Is that a high need for control, or is it? Or do we bring our toxicity wherever we go? And the issue was at that church; it was actually just them. That's right, and and so I think a part of the dilemma. Which one? Is, Which one's right? No, no. no we what? the problem is that uh, you know when a person says, "I need a new start," and you go from LA to New York, the yeah. problem is that you did. You don't have a new start because you still have the old you. Yeah. And so no matter how many times you get a new start, if you keep bringing the old you, you're going to have the same result. I have that problem all the time, though, because we, 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 we talk about this. Like, I, I, I want to burn the bridge. I want to burn it all down, start mm -hmm. over. You know, because I, I feel like I want to try to achieve a level of perfection in something, whether it's relationships or whether it's business or whether it's work or whether it's, you know, mm -hmm. speaking or, or writing something. It's extremely hard for me to live with something broken. Mm -hmm. And so I'll either break it, end it, and try to move on and move forward. And you've really taught me like, hey, look, like, how about maybe just walk when you end something? Maybe it wasn't the other person, maybe it was just you. And you, have to, you can't just start over because you're going to end up in the same spot. You have to like start from where you left off and go like, this is where I'm at and you, this is how I'm going to achieve something else. So many times I'm in relationships and I start over and you're in the charming part, you're in the engaging part, you, you like win each other mm -hmm. over and you end up in the same spot because you don't know how to communicate you don't know how to fight you don't know how to have conflict how do we do that when 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 we kind of live in this world where, where we're not allowed to disagree we're not allowed to believe something different you you know i don't know we're not even allowed to assume the best of the other person yes and so here let me let me just be like spectrum offensive for a minute and um everyone that i talked to on the left says, if you're voting for Trump, you're a racist. It's crazy. They can't factor in that, well, maybe they actually have like some sincere policy issues where they're going, I'm not a fan of Trump, but I believe in these policies. Um, I don't know, it could be, maybe they just have a different view of the economics, they, of, uh, of economics and how, what, what, uh, what economic policies help get the most people out of poverty. Or, or maybe they're people who really think fundamentally that being pro-life is the most important issue. They're willing to sacrifice everything to protect the unborn. And then you're on the left, and uh, and the people on the right go, no, everybody on the left is a socialist. That's the new that's the new thing, right? And I'm going, no, no, not everyone on the left is a socialist. But uh, socialism is having an, uh, an influence on the left, just like white supremacy is having an influence on the right. I, that, and, I, I, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. But I would say that I think the, the issue... I, there's, like I wouldn't say like there's a white supremacist that's that has rising in power. No, no, I, yeah, like, you're right. There isn't because I wouldn't label yeah. Trump that only because I, I'm a bit more open-minded and going like whether he's whether whether he's struggled with racism in the past or I, I don't know. Like I'm not judging his character. I'm also not like the biggest Trump fans. I, but I, but also I'm able to not be a fan of someone. No, what I'm go, saying is that people point to those two extremes and saying well, we, that's what that party is defined by. 
Yes, but what, what yeah. I'm trying to say though is that maybe the issue with with the right versus the left or the the, the right's viewpoint of the left is that like AOC and Bernie Sanders, they were the rising voices on the left. Yeah, they're Whereas the like strongest, I, I wouldn't say that there's voices. white supremacists that are the rising voices on the right. That's actually true. Right? Yeah, so, not that I can think of. Right, yeah. at least not that I, and like, like I don't, I don't want to get into like the, the details, but I think that overall that was kind of the viewpoint. Right, because I think most Americans at their core want a future that is not racist yes only the, only the really dark extreme people would be different we've got to be there now right like we've got to be there in a place where like like it we're gonna get there that's for sure because i don't think we're gonna take our foot off the pedal i, I want to go back to this i think the reason it's important for us to have these more open conversations even about politics right now yeah is that we're not advocating one side or the other we're saying you need to listen more carefully uh there are people um, on the right who have sincere concerns, sincere positions, and maybe they're even swallowing hard voting for um, a party that carries some things they wish it didn't, um, but, but it carries some things that they feel are really important to them. And, and I think there are people on, on the left, I think there are a lot of Democrats who are not for socialism. I think there are a lot of Democrats Definitely. There's so who, many. who do not want yeah. to lose the meritocracy, uh, the American dream, the, the, the direction and progress that this nation uniquely expresses across the world. Yes. And, um, but, they're, but they're accepting some aspects of the Democratic Party that they don't agree with, but because they feel the whole is what they believe in. And, you, you know, and so it's... It, I, I think it brings us back to that conversation yeah. of, of the parallel of there's good cops and there's bad cops there's good people and there's bad people and there's good people who have bad moments and, and there's there, good there are, cops who have bad moments yes and there are protesters and there are writers and they're not yes. the same thing yes and so one party and, wants to focus on the protesters and pretend there are no writers yeah. and no looters and the side wants to pretend there are only looters and writers and there are no protesters i think aaron one of the things that i think both of us um have experiences even during the last year during the quarantine, like we could feel ourselves adjusting as we get new information. We could mm. feel ourselves having conversations and sometimes you would be on one side, I would be on the other side, and then we'd change each other's minds. And one of the things I really love about our conversations is that um, for us, it's, it's a daily battle. Like we're, we're trying to understand life, we're trying to understand the situations around us, trying to understand how to do the most good we're trying to wade through all the garbage of everything negative that's being said about each side. And um, the idea that um, the Republicans are all racist is, is an absurd um, caricature. And, and, and so then if I like someone's post on, on the right, does that now make me um, no longer um, acceptable to you, or, right? Or if I it, now, right now I'm gonna have people on the right going, wait a minute, you you helped, you gave advice to the Biden campaign, and so then suddenly I'm gonna be unacceptable to everyone on the right. Yeah. And um, my question is, do I have permission to disagree? Mm. See, and and I like this podcast to generate the conversation. Like, do we have permission to disagree? Or does when anyone disagrees, are they now vilified? When everyone disagrees, are they uh, now the enemy? You just, I'm like, it's like watching the end of a Muhammad Ali fight. 
I think it's I think it's like open your mind up, start asking some questions, question everything. Yeah. Because if the things that are true, they will last. They will hold up. They will hold steady. The things that that that, that fall quickly will fall quickly the moment you start asking the questions of the foundation in which they're built on. And that is that is a huge point because I think that's something you've always taught me is like, look, you're never going to know how... You, 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 I think early 20s, you sat me down and said, um, it's one thing to believe in something, but you have to construct a worldview of why you believe that. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And, that's, and I remember really struggling with this for maybe half a decade, maybe an entire decade, going... That was something in the back of my mind going, okay, look, if I'm going to get smarter, if I'm going to like generate ideas if i'm going to speak where am i speaking from where's the place that i'm coming from mm-hmm. a lot of this is how to you've taught me to challenge thinking don't be an instigator be actually someone yearning to learn absolutely right and i think that's the difference it's a it's a subtle adjustment of going like um, it's the difference of protesting and looting mm-hmm. right it, it's voicing it an opinion yeah and expressing an act and and oppressing like violence on something yeah and perfectly practical example this is that couple that i know that went to the rnc at the white house yeah amazing amazing people beautiful people they left the event and were attacked by people who are protesting the you know the trump rally the republican rally and he almost had to physically um engage with someone who was going after his that wife. That would have been a very bad moment. He is a very big man. He is the biggest man I know. So strong. He you would have destroyed break me. Yeah, and he half. said, I was saved from having to attack the people attacking my wife and I because police intervened in that moment. Right. And I know other people who were attacked and hurt. So now you can't even choose a side without being in danger of being attacked by the other side. And I'm saying, wait a minute, I thought liberalism was supposed to elevate us as human beings so we think at a higher level and live in a more humane state of existence. And it seems to me that we are now moving further and further down and becoming the worst version of ourselves. I think a conversation about permission to disagree is really important. Yeah, And, and even as we're talking, I was getting a little nervous because I'm going, oh no, I'm saying this and now people on the right are going to be really offended and then I'm saying this and people on the left are going to be really offended. And this is a part of the problem. I feel like we're, we're on this tightrope and I'm, I'm not good at right and left thinking. No. I'm, I'm good at more like organic, holistic thinking and, and paying it's, attention to every side and, and taking the intelligence of each side and you it together. Would, it's so funny because you would... Historically, you've been controversial, but you would hate that one side dislikes you. It's but, so true. But both sides dislike you <laughs> because you sit in the middle. So the moment you make a statement, one side dislikes you, and the moment you make another statement, the other side dislikes you. You live in constant turmoil of having to please. I, See, I don't feel like I sit in the middle. I feel like I, I sit in a different dimension. I, I'm trying to pull everybody forward to real, help yeah. them realize there's a better way of thinking. Hmm. And I, I mean, look, just on a, on a fun level, like permission to disagree, I used to think... Um, Football was football and football was football. Like, I remember when I came to the it States, I, I was trained to like American football and to hate uh, global soccer, fo- soccer global right. football. 
when my nephew came from El Salvador, he had a soccer ball, and me and my brother punctured his soccer ball and handed him a football and said, this is not a football, this is a football. That's so uh, mean. David, I'm so sorry for listening. Oh, and that was a horrible thing to do as your uh, older cousin because we had been so brainwashed that there was one football. And it's so funny now because we go to like London and I'll sit with some of the young guys out there, McLaren and Dan, and, and they'll be like, so do you like soccer? And they'll make fun of me in the moment. I'm like, okay, no, I actually like football. That's right. But now when you we say l- football here, you're like, what? I know. And now I love LAFC. I mean, yeah, I, I I've been it. to the World Cup. I love football. And and so I look and go, oh, permission disagree. I, I, I changed my mind multiple times and I feel so bad about when I was uh, wrong. Yeah. And, uh, but I was such an, I held that position so extremely. Yeah. You know, um, for a long time, I wouldn't become an American citizen because I didn't want to be a part of a country that I could not be president of since I wasn't born here. <laughs> and, uh, and so I was adamant. My whole family became American citizens. Our, fa- our, 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 our foster daughter, Patty, uh, who came here. Uh, undocumented. We helped her go through the pro- whole process of documentation, yeah. getting her green card. She became an American under citizen. Under the Bush administration. Under the Bush administration, yeah. right? He gave and, a huge leniency to help people. And so she became an yeah. American citizen before me. And it took me a long time. It was 9-11 that actually changed my heart. I decided to become an American citizen. Yeah. I permission to disagree. And I, I, right. I did not want to become an American citizen. Now I'm so proud to be an American citizen. And the, we're just talking yeah. about things that like we believed when we were younger or earlier in life and now we're changing our mind and, and maybe we've maybe our thought process evolved. Maybe we've just changed our opinion. When I was younger, I really loved Warp Tour bands. Well, you're like a music maven. I love... I so would, what's Warp Tour bands? What, what does that mean? It was the worst kind of music. It was like the whole hardcore, like emo, like punk rock. I still like back punk rock, but like I was... And then to think now, like I, the fact that I wasn't into like the Stones and like the Beatles and like... I, I didn't, I remember I was, it was interesting because I actually was before I was into Warp Tour and the emo thing. I was into like Nirvana. I did get into the Beatles. I did get into like the Stones. I did get into like Jurassic 5 and all of these like incredible movements because the first time you got an iPad or you got an iPod, your friend Melvin put all of his music on. And he put right. all of it. I so tried. like it was everything from like jazz, to like bunk to mm-hmm. stuff you never even listened to. But just as like a gift to be like, hey, here's all my music. Because back then it was like you had to spend countless hours uploading all of your CDs to a computer, to an iPod. It's different now where everything's mm-hmm. just Spotify and iTunes. But but I I love music. But if I look back on like some of those Warp Tour, like Taking Back Sunday bands, <laughs> I'll listen to it every once in a while to like look back and just kind of laugh and like listen. And, and Taking Back was kind of a cool, but I remember I loved going to those shows and like, moshing and i was like i was such a sweet kid so i don't know i was like getting thrown around but i love that whole like subculture i was like one of the first kids to wear skinny jeans in my like high school okay i remember this because you see you I had want, to buy girls jeans right and we went to the so we went to the, the jean store and all that existed in la was baggy jeans because it was very much kind of like a chicano like, like hood kind of uh yeah and you wore the drop jeans and you showed your chonies and everything like that chonies. And, no one says that you just sorry. like who says that your boxers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, no one wears boxers either. It's and you were like, I so want to wear skinny jeans. And like, I'm not going to let you wear skinny jeans. Because the only option was girls' jeans. Right. And I'm like, I'm not going to let you wear girl, girl jeans. Yeah. And uh, and then and he said, hey, this this is the other option. And I saw all the drop crotch, you know, kind of like. Jeans. It wasn't drop crotch. Drop crotch is no, later. Drop, drop crotch yeah. is later. It, you saw all of just I was, super baggy. Yeah, super I was like a, baggy. I was also like a skinny kid in high school. Yeah. And I'm like, look, like I go to I go to like workshop at Old Navy back then. I was like, go to mm-hmm. Old Navy or wherever, 
I have no option. It's like 10 times too big on me. And well, you like, changed huge. my mind. I did. I bought you the girls' skinny jeans and you yeah. played the bass guitar in your band with skinny jeans. <laughs> but but it, it, it's, it, see, to me, it's like permission Which was, it's to per- disagree. Permission to disagree. <laughs> yeah. And I disagree with myself. And my, and I changed my mind. You you had music. You would and you're very opinionated. So when you liked when you love Warp Tour, it was the best. It was the best. And uh, and now you look back and go, wow, how did I love that? So, so bad. what do you love right now that you think you're going to change your mind on? Oh man, <laughs> what do I love right now? I think I'll change my mind on social media. Hmm. Yeah, I'll probably move to like some mountain or some beach. And never have like have a phone every like once a day kind of thing. Hmm. I'm so engaged on it now, but I think that will die. I, I think I think it will turn into like social media is everywhere and always and all encompassing. And I think there would be like a huge reaction of like, mm-hmm. okay, there's be purists to go like, oh, this is my whole life. Like so much of what we do is on social media. I'm active on it. We do mm-hmm. all these things. Um, I wanted to do a podcast called um, um, STDs, socially tra- uh, socially transmitted diseases from social media. <laughs> well, maybe that's our next topic. I think social media. I think also. I think maybe living in cities might change. Mm-hmm. You know, I love cities, but I think that might change. Yeah, decentralization of pop- of people. Yeah, and and there's so many. I think even like belief systems that people hold, and that they, you become so dogmatic, and and you have to give yourself permission to disagree because otherwise you can't keep growing, you can't keep changing, you can't keep adjusting as you go along. Yeah. In life, I mean, to me, I look at things that limited me, like. I said in my mind that I hated Europe. So I only traveled to Asia, I traveled to India, I traveled to China and Japan and Cambodia. And You only and, went east for a long time. For a long time. And, and I also told myself I'd never go back to anything Latin, so I never went to Latin America. No, I grew up with no heritage. And, 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 then the, uh, and I also told myself I would never like Paris because uh, it was so cliche. And yeah. then I end up in Europe. It's not cliche. It's just right. <laughs> I know. I go to Europe and I fall in love with Europe. And I'm so mad at myself for hating it and loving it. I know. And, and I go to Paris and it becomes my favorite city in the world. And all yeah. of a sudden I'm overwhelmed. And I thought, no, I'm a cliche. And, and, and then I, I, I finally go to Latin America, not yeah. maybe only just five years ago. Yeah. No, maybe 10. No, 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 no. Oh, well, like. Not other like than El really Salvador. Really going to, fa- to Latin America. Yeah, I would go to El Salvador to see my family. Maybe ten, five years ago, yeah. And I went to speak finally, and next thing I knew, all of Latin America opened up, and it was so endearing to me. And uh, I and I had to recapture my language, and I had to recapture my culture, and it became yeah. so important to me. And I think what's so interesting is one, um, my limited perspective limited my life experience, hmm. and I, and and so it's taught me over time to not be close to anything. Yeah. And, and, and you can even see this in sports when people hate like LeBron or they hate Jordan or they hate Kobe. Yeah. And I tell people, I say, hey, trying to never hate greatness because one day you're going to realize you should have appreciated that greatness while it was there. Yeah. And the same way with um, like conflicting views. Like, uh, well, I think I'm never going to drive. I think, I think um, driving gas-powered cars will be, it will be like detestable to us in 10 years. Mm-hmm. The fact that we would do that to our earth, and, that and, very and you know me, I, I mean, I, I know, I, and I only really drive, drive an electric, electric car. car. And, and if I could afford uh, one, I would drive an electric car. Yeah, sorry about that. You're on minimum no, wage. <laughs> we need uh, some sponsors for that already, <laughs> right? What's it? You had a mullet. All right, we don't have to talk about that. We don't. But have actually, to <laughs> I didn't even know what mullets were. I didn't know they existed. How did you not know they existed? You you had one. 
Yeah, but not because I'd ever seen one. So how did that happen? <laughs> but it's funny because like those glasses that everyone's into, like the yeah. big gla- wireframe, you had those before yeah. it was cool at all. You have to realize I was always extremely eccentric. Yes. And so um, when usually when I had something or something, no one else had it. Right. Like so there was nobody else in my world mm-hmm. who had the haircut I had. And everyone that I work with thought it was more an homage to my Navajo roots. <laughs> it's because they, they, they were unaware of mullets themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so they assumed it was me being almost like uh, more like primal tribal uh, Native American because I look very Native American. You do. And, and if anyone like, if, if someone didn't know where El Salvador, Salvador was, you'd think it's next to Norway because you're <laughs> quite tall. Yes. And you meet most people from El Salvador and they're like much smaller, five two. Yeah, and you know, and they're the best. It's the incredible culture, most beautiful yeah. country in the world, I think. And, yeah, and so what happened for me was I had super, super long hair. I was kind of always a, a hippie, you know, and from my generation, the '60s. And then and, you started wearing suits, and then I went into this business environment, and I just couldn't cut my hair off, so I just shaved the sides of it, and little did I know it was what later would become known as a mullet, a mullet. Yeah. you know? Yeah. So when the first time someone ever said to me, you had a mullet, I go, I never had a mullet. I like, I, I was completely unaware that I had a mullet. And, um, and I'm, I'm very eccentric. I'm always changing the way I look. I'm always changing my hair and my clothes. Um, I give myself permission to disagree with whatever style I like in that moment <laughs> and changing yeah. that. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm the one that asked to have this conversation because I felt like one of the things that we have that's rare is that we can share our opinions without losing respect for each other. And and I and I think about like over the years, just conversations I've had with you and and watching you like process things from one position to another position, mm-hmm. and um, and you always have a lot of conviction. Mm-hmm. And, I, I swing from from like uh, there's no gray with me. It's always black and white, and I swing from black and white. And it's researched. Like you, you, you do yeah. not you you do not like superficial thought. No. So you take a lot of time. You dig deep. You yeah. fight in, and then you have a conviction. And uh, and sometimes I tease you because even like in the fashion world, to go well, yeah, but you used to hold this. I go, yeah, I changed. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and uh, and I think that's actually one of the most powerful things about you. And I think it's one of the things I really want to commend for everyone in a generation. It's like um, every ideology that is trying to make the world better should be treated with respect. You should try to understand what the problem is that they're trying to solve, how they are identifying that problem, and and how they're identifying the solution to that problem. Hmm. And, and every solution leaves some things unsolved. Hmm. And they have to weigh the pros and cons of that. And it, like you look at the issues of like pro-life, pro-choice. Like, I mean, I, I would be a person on a personal level who uh, wished there were there 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 was no abortions in the world. And um, but I've been attacked a lot for not being pro-life enough. Mm. And it's not that I'm I, I'm personally so pro-life. And but I, but I also understand um, why it was necessary to have a conversation about pro-choice. And how we need to stop women from having to have abortions and 
in back streets and w- without doctors and the whole like there was it was a really horrific like underground thing where they were like sketchy surgeries yeah. and people women were dying and it was and I felt one of the most lacking of compassionate things that ever happened with the right was a, a, an unwillingness to acquiesce to statements like the endangerment of the mother or because of rape or incest and and this adamant dogmatic no never without any level of empathy or compassion I feel like was a part of what created um our present situation. But then I saw this woman with a t-shirt that said 20 abortions and counting. And she was bragging about having 20 plus abortions. And I thought there's a difference between being pro-life, being pro-choice and being pro-abortion. Just destructive. And, and I think a part of the dilemma in our culture is that once we have a right, we shouldn't assume that that right means that we now have the right to be abusive to or even the human spirit. And, um, it, you know, it's just like the right to defend yourself. You know, there are places where you can shoot someone who comes into your house if you, and you have a right to have a gun, a permitted gun, and you have a right to shoot someone. That doesn't mean you should. Hmm. And it doesn't mean that um, that should be your posture in life. You know, and um, I, I, I think about all the people who are in prison right now on charges of of selling or, or possessing weed it's crazy and and now it's legal and people are selling it and becoming millionaires on it while there's still prison people in prison for having a small amount of it yeah and I, I i look at our society and i go hey we have to have a we have to have room to go hey we made the best decisions we could back then but we were wrong Yes. Or that just wasn't the best decision. And then, we can and then go on to that too, things. because that, you know, keep going. Sorry. I'm really just reiterating what you said. Keep going. I just think politicians don't have the capacity to say, I was wrong. Or to apologize. Or to apologize. It, it seems impossible for a politician to apologize. Because then it's used against them as a weakness that yeah. will be continually exploited for XYZ. And, that, and I mean, I, I've never been a pro weed person in terms of I just think it makes a person lethargic. Yeah, I've always been a person who felt it should not be illegal. Well, it's just ironic. And it doesn't match what people think of a pastor. <laughs> no, right. And we talk a lot. We talk about all of these things, and mm-hmm. you, you're like, "How are cigarettes legal? How's alcohol legal? How and is weed al- not legal? And how is weed not legal? And, it, and I don't care. But I do think there's a lot of people in prison who shouldn't be. Yeah, because they sold something that. What is the? What's the difference between that? and selling cigarettes that we know are directly connected to cancer. Like we know this thing is so directly connected to cancer and destroying people's lives that, but yet we still don't make it illegal. We've restricted their advertising space, restricted their sponsorship space. We've made it, we've shamed it. And yet there's still so much of it out there. And that's the power of big business. Yes. And that you have to look at. And and the politics. And you have to look at the corruption that's there. And uh, prohibition didn't work. And the prohibition created the space for um, for um, underground crime. Yeah. You know, prohibition made a lot of people rich. Yeah. And uh, and eventually our, our government realized you, you can't try to control morality in this way. And, and I, but it, But it, then it's the scary thing, right? How far will it go? The other direction, right? It's like, we have to want the betterment of our culture. I think the moment we figured out cigarettes were bad, we should have gotten rid of them from our society. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm more angry that cigarettes have been legal 
then that weed is legal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm going, we, we've devastated our healthcare system because of cancer. And, um, you know, we, we, we know that drunk driving has been one of the most significant killers of people in America. Um, but because they have big industry behind them, we couldn't really create laws that, that, um, that protect people, make the world better. And I'm not anti-alcohol. I'm, I'm anti the, uh, reckless endangerment of other human life. Mm -hmm. And, and you can argue that in so many different angles, but I do think uh, to, to, to just kind of go to the end of like, kind of as we wind down here, yeah, we have to figure out how to disagree, to figure out how to be able to have these conversations out loud. Mm -hmm. Also be able to apologize and understand when we're wrong and to and to understand that we can change our opinion and it doesn't make us a lesser person. Mm -hmm. And we can concede, right? Like I think it's, you've taught me, it's not just how you win, it's how you fail, it's how you lose. Do you lose with, in a posture where you can learn or do you fail in a posture where you're gonna succeed again? Because mm -hmm. uh, this whole, like we've created a culture, we've talked about this multiple times, but we create a culture that, that, that demonizes failure. Mm -hmm. That the moment you fail, you're canceled. Yeah. And we find out that you failed 10 years ago, we're gonna cancel you as well. Like what it's going to create is a society that never learns, that only hides, and and pushes things that are deep, and that are that are simple and small. To deep darkness weaknesses, mm -hmm. deep dark weaknesses that we struggle with, and behind closed doors that we're not able to come to light. And I think mm -hmm. that's going to be more destructive for our society a hundred years from now, ten, twenty years from now, than it is right now. And but to leave us on some hope, can you leave us on some inspiration? To leave us on some hope, and and then we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that was striking me is that human history is always imperfect. And, and, and frankly, if we're going to be really honest, we should be all apologizing to each other for all the things that have happened in the past. Right. And, but you can either have an apocalyptic view of the future that everything's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Or you can, uh, but I'm, I'm sort of like anti-apocalyptic. I believe we can make the world better and better and better. And we make the world better by living a life of love, by living a life filled with hope, by living a life that is, is courageous and full of faith, by living a life of compassion. And so here, here's what I'd like to leave you with. Um, assume the best, mm. not just of people who agree with you, but even of people who disagree with you. And, and sometimes when you assume the best, you're going to be wrong, but it won't hurt you. You'll be okay. But when you assume the best of people, you have a better chance of getting the best of people. And so I'm going to assume the best of you. This is, this is our battle ready and uh, commitment. If you're on the far right, even when we disagree with you, we're going to assume the best of you. When you're on the far left, we may disagree with you, but we're going to assume the best of you. Wherever you are in the spectrum of policies or politics or culture or belief systems, uh, we're going to work from the posture that we're going to work hard to assume the best of you. And, and if we could all assume the best of each other, we would just make each other our best. Mm. And so, Aaron, I'm going to always assume the best of you, even when I know you're wrong. <laughs> I usually call later. <laughs> I messed up. Please forgive me. No, and I hope you assume the best of me, even if my thinking is too short-sighted and hasn't um, adjusted to the realities of a new world.
Sometimes you're just too open, and I'm like, can we pick a side sometimes? But it's okay. Um, yes, I'll pick a side as long as I have permission to disagree with myself later. Yeah. And choose the other side. <laughs> I think there's a way we can pick sides, but also pick all of the people. Yeah. I may pick a side, but I'm always going to choose people over the side. True. That's so good. Hey, it's good talking to you. It's and I good love talking you. to you. And let the Clippers win in this next round. That's true. Oh, there it is. All of you who think the Lakers are going to win it all, permission to disagree. Yes. Okay. So as we close, I just want to thank every single person who watches and listens. And if you can, go right now and rate and review this wherever you're watching or listening on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Every Friday, a new episode of Battle Ready. And we have some Battle Ready merch. We do. We have this hat. It says Battle Ready. And we'll find a place where you can buy it. And if you comment on some of the Instagram photos at Battle Ready Podcast, we give away some of these for free each week. That's awesome. So buy these on the web. I don't know. Just kind of like a cool way to get engaged and stay connected. All right. Okay. Have a great week. See you next Friday. See you next Friday. All right. <laughs>